Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell. You know, some comedians are said to have comedy in their genes. Others are said to have funny bones. Well, in a bizarre deviant forensic surgery, I hope to dissect their brains and discover why comedians put their heart into what they do without putting their foot in it. Do you see? I love talking to people in comedy about comedy. If you'd like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode would, I hope, agree that he lives up to the Liverpudlian reputation of having an excellent, if cheeky, sense of humour. He's an outstanding comedian and one of the best MCs I've seen. Debuting his first solo hour at Edinburgh this year, it's stand-up comedian Jamie Allerton. Hello, mate. Hey, mate. How are we doing? Good. How are you? Good, good. Yeah, if you're good, we'll just crack on. Yeah, sure. What was your comedy like when you was growing up in Liverpool? Did you have a big comedy family, lots of fun around, gathered around the TV, that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, I think there's something about the Scouse personality where it is that kind of always ripping each other. Yeah. Um, and always trying to find fun. And I was I was the youngest of three, so there was that thing of like trying to get attention by <laughs> you know making jokes and making light of everything. Yeah. So I was always the the funny one out of out of my siblings. Which I make sure they know all the time. <laughs> but I, I'd say my parents are kind of um, they're very different from each other. Mm. My mum's really outgoing, right. uh, and my dad's really uh, he internalizes everything. So I've I've kind of got aspects of both of them because my my dad hates any group or crowd that's bigger than two. <laughs> whereas my mum will go up and make friends to anyone. Yeah. Um. So I've kind of had aspects of both of them rubbed off on me. Yeah. So you'll go up and make friends with. Groups of two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go up and make groups of people, but make sure that they know that I do not like them and I don't want to spend time with them. So did you have um, big influences growing up, sort of people that you watched on TV or people you saw do live comedy? Yeah, I always liked the silly stuff. Like, uh, mm. luckily, my, my sister's kind of 14 years older than me, which means that we got things that children weren't normally watching. Like, you know, a lot of Vic and Bob. Yeah. Uh, we'd watch Bottom. I remember uh, that was our... our or Friday would be, you know, get a bath, come down, and we'd all watch Bottom. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I just love that, this kind of slapstick, stupid stuff. Uh, and Red Dwarf was a big, big yeah. factor growing up. Uh, I think there, were, there weren't many kind of uh, people from Liverpool on TV back in the 90s. Right. And to have <laughs> to have a kind of flagship sitcom from yeah. the Beeb where you had someone from Liverpool, yeah. with you know, you could hear... Someone who spoke like us, that was obviously my accent's been chipped away now from living with <laughs> Romese and Austrians and, you know, people from all over the world have had a go yeah. uh, chipping away at my accent. But it was it was nice to hear a Scouser on kind of, you know, prime time Friday night. Yeah. So what was it that inspired you to become a comedian yourself? Uh, I just failed at everything else, really, I think. <laughs> um, no, I, it was always... It was, it, it's kind of hack but it's it was it was always in me to like you any any job that i did it still felt like i wasn't doing the right thing mm-hmm. um and you know i i got to about 28 and 30 was knocking on the door and i'd said i'd always go and do stand up i was living in northampton at the time right uh and it was just the fact that i do the job i was doing i was coming to the end of my contract and i said do you know i'm gonna mm-hmm. i'm gonna give stand up a go like I'd done, I used to do stand up in our school playground. And, right. You know, there would be lunch times where I'd just get crowds and I'd just do stupid stuff and it'd be riffing with people. Right. Um, and then I'd do kind of around 15, 16, I'd do like local church fates and stuff like that. I'd open oh, for yeah. like local comics and just do silly stuff. And then I kind of, it all went as soon as I got to university and right. I, I let a decade go by. <laughs> <laughs> and then thought, oh no, that was that was the thing I was supposed to have been doing the whole time was stand up. So I'll I'll give up all this money that I've got, all this independence, <laughs> all all this respect that my my family and peers have for me. I'll get rid of that and yeah. I'll go tell jokes in pubs. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I was like, I'll I'll see if I'm any good. Right. And like I, I'm all right, I guess. But <laughs> part of me, part of me going into it was like. If I'm crap at this, that'll be great because then at least I can say I did it. Yeah. But I can go back into like nicely paying jobs <laughs> and say, well, we gave it a go, but now I can buy a house. <laughs> yeah. So did you know the kind of comedian that you wanted to be at that early stage? 
Uh, no, I no idea. Yeah. Um, I probably like I didn't get into doing stand up till I was about what, 27, 28. Right. Um, so oh yeah, it must have been about 28, 29. Um, so I probably thought like in my head it was one of the you know, not mm. an edge lord, but just people <laughs> saying things off the cuff and yeah. you know telling it like it is all the wanky stuff that you say at 20 <laughs> not realizing that like a, a lot of the fun that i get from my routines is like internalized things you know things problems i find in myself right then you can reflect that back at people and and say well this is a problem i have so yeah i assume some of the people in this room also have this problem right um and that's like the fun of it but i never like my favorite comics i don't think if you look at my style you could say oh there's a clear trajectory there like i'd say richard Pryor is probably you know Mm. in the top five of my comics uh like richard Pryor and rick mail but i don't i don't know if i can draw a line right from them to kind of what i do right do you have um peers today that continue to inspire you none no absolutely none No, I, t- I I tend to watch the the American comics a lot more just because right. um, I think it was Jim Jeffries who said that he he found it dangerous kind of watching stand ups when he got into stand up, right? Just because you'd you'd kind of worry about covering the same topics, right? Okay. Um, so there's elements of one, even like those who are at the top of the game, mm. there's still an element of busman's holiday when you go to watch, right? Like I think the only live comic that I've seen uh, and paid for in the last five years was probably Stuart Lee. Right. Just, you know, because I am a, a cliche. Uh, <laughs> but that was that was because my bro- I live in London and my brother lives in Liverpool. So he did that. I did as a Christmas present to get me tickets for Stuart Lee in Liverpool. Right. Yeah. Which meant that the cost of me going back up to <laughs> Liverpool to watch the show cost more than the actual tickets themselves. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think it's. This sounds really wanky, but I, I prefer being inspired by like just things around me than right. actual other comics. Because otherwise, when you watch other comics, you just tend to get annoyed by a fantastic bit where you're like, yeah. "Oh, I wish I'd written that." Or you know, you you might see someone <laughs> who absolutely ruins a bit, right? And you go, "If me or a friend had written this, we would have turned this into something great." But right. it's but you and you can't steal it. You can't just say, "Well, you're not good enough to have this bit." Actually, so we're just going to take this and give it to someone <laughs> who should have it. You know, comedy should be run kind of like a, a company where you go, <laughs> we don't think you we're at this, you're at this level to say, yeah, women do this and men do this sometimes. So we're going to give that bit over to, you know, Jeff and accounts. <laughs> so when, uh, when you're emceeing, obviously you've seen, you've seen the other actors, you're bringing them on. And if that's going through your mind, do you, are you looking at them always as a comedian? Are you able to, if there is a good gag, are you able to laugh or do you, do you have always just skip ahead to the punchline or analyze the, the structure? <laughs> so I like one of my prime uh, things is to always to make sure that the the night goes well. As an MC, yeah. I you know some MCs will go, oh, I'll use this to throw in. I very rarely do material as an MC, right? Um, just because my main focus is on uh, is the night going well. Mm. So when I see an act going on, I'll I'll laugh, kind of even benefit of the doubt laughs. Uh, just to make sure that there is some left in the room because some of some of them pubs can be mm. pretty harsh <laughs> um <laughs> you know so yeah I, I watch the act but I was, I'm mainly kind of watching the room as well or I'm thinking of stuff to say because I'll I'll make a note about you know who's doing what in the room right um or can I riff on something that they've said when I come up yeah um but yeah it's it it's enjoyable because it's you're getting the best of both worlds because you do you stand at the back of the room and you're at you get to watch a live gig yeah that you haven't paid for <laughs> and then the bonuses you then get to get up on stage yeah and take part in it as well <laughs> yeah i suppose it'd be like imagine if a footballer wanted to pass the ball you know he gets to just sit in the stand and watch Messi do what he does <laughs> yeah. do you prefer emceeing or being an act uh it's i guess it's not a preference it's mm. they're, they're just both really different like some nights i think it's it's more fun to be an MC, right? Um, but then you get you can kind of get more out of being an act. You know, you if people come up to you and say you were the best on the night if you were the MC, mm. that tends to mean the acts have been a bit shit. Um, <laughs> and if people come up to you and say you were the best on the night and you're an act, mm. uh, that that feels fantastic, you know. And that's 
that that little ego stroke is literally the only reason why 90% of us do it. Yeah. It's because it's that instant ego of, oh, I've created something and someone has said this is good. Yeah. Uh, so I, I suppose it, it depends what mood I'm in as well. You know, sometimes if you look at the actual technicalities of it, it is nice being an act because your job tonight is only for 20 minutes. Right. And you can go home. Yeah. And that, you know, if you're out in the middle of nowhere, that can feel great to go by nine o'clock. I am done and dusted and the MC is not getting out of there till half 10. <laughs> but then on the other side, the MC kind of controls the energy in the room, which I like, you know, yeah. I, if I'm on a gig where there's not a very good MC, it, it, it is kind of me watching over someone while they're driving going, yeah. Oh, you know, that, that person over there gave you a really easy layup on <laughs> what their job is and you didn't go for any of it. Yeah. Uh, things like that. So yeah, I'd say I don't I don't have a preference. It's just that depending on what mood or what what I need from that day, right? It it kind of differs. Yeah, and I'm I'm not going to answer directly any of your questions today, Mark. They're all, <laughs> they're all going to go off in a tangent where when we get back around to it, I have not really provided a thorough answer. Quite right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've seen you MC many times. I've seen many many people MCing, as you can imagine. I think you're one of the best at it. So, oh, cheers, man. I've also seen your act. So, you know, I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> and who's your least favorite MC? You, you know, just name some oh, names. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not going down that road. <laughs> Too many to name. There is, I mean, there is a there is a danger of just being known as an MC, which sure is why, yeah. like, um, I try to keep it about 50 50. Yeah. Um, I, I MC more in London just because people know me as an MC. Um, right. But when I'm gigging outside of London, it tends to be, you know, opens or yeah, um, Midland for some gigs just to make sure that I'm not getting known as the MC. Yeah. I've seen people trapped in that. Sure. Um, and even even gigs where I'll be introduced to them as an MC, I'll make sure to follow up and say, can I come back and do a spot so that you can see me, not just say, yeah, what's your job? <laughs> That's a silly <laughs> job, isn't it? Absolutely got you there. <laughs> So what was your that that first stand up set that you did? What was that experience like? So my first ever one. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of a little little background to my life. I, I I was in Northampton for a decade. I went to university in Northampton. Mm -hmm. Then I started working at Barclay Card there, um, which credit card companies they pay a lot of money. It was, it was quite nice. <laughs> I used to I used to be happy, Mark. Um, <laughs> but then I left there. I moved I moved back to Liverpool for a year, and I I took the the hot water comedy club course right yeah uh which was bizarre because everybody there was kind of you know I, I, i'm coming up to a wedding and i want to be able to say my best man speech right or you know oh i struggle in talking to groups so i just want a bit of confidence and i was the only one in the group that was like no i want to go up on stage in comedy clubs and tell jokes <laughs> so it was kind of tailored very lightly to the point right. even um i won't say who the instructor was but or the teacher, but they, after I'd written my first set and kind of we'd gone over it, yeah, he pointed out like, oh, you you know how you've said that your mum's in a mobility scooter here, and then you mentioned it at the end. That's mm. called a callback. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, that's I know that's why I I did it. That's... And I think because you know since I was a kid I'd been studying the theory of comedy, right? Um, the only real thing i got out of that course was that i met a couple of people who were willing to go to gigs with me then because i know for me it was worth the price just to not you know travel up from liverpool to manchester to do my first spot yeah up there but my, my first ever gig would, would have been the graduation gig sure yeah that we put on now uh, if you do a comedy course the graduation gig is normally like the easiest gig you can do everyone in the room <laughs> is supportive you know, you can fart into the microphone and get a stand innovation. <laughs> um, but when we did it, a couple of the people have brought some quite aggressive family members, including one local DJ who really wanted the attention on him. Yeah. Uh, so the the guy before me, he he told a five minute story about giraffes that played to zero laughs because <laughs> it was quite highbrow. Like he had some really good gags in there, but right. Um, it wasn't kind of your standard, 
yeah. end of the pier stuff that you do at a graduation gig. Um, <laughs> and then I came up and told a story. Like the the first ever set that I'd written was mm. a story about me getting drunk at a charity event with my friend. Of course. Um, and I got locked in a barn and nearly set it on fire. <laughs> uh, I cut my head open and ended up like it was. It was all one of them stories where if you're sat around with one of your friends who you know, yeah, it's funny. Yeah. But I started to realize kind of two minutes into my set. I don't know anyone here, and it's just me going, look how cool I am when I got drunk, bloody blah. Yeah, yeah. And so I was, I, I kind of played to maybe three laughs over the course of five minutes. <laughs> and this this guy at the back just shouted, giraffe. <laughs> just to just to let me know that I was bombing as yeah, hard as the yeah. guy we've been on um previously. So that that was my my first gig, which I'm I was actually really, really grateful for that it bombed. Right. Because I went I went home. Uh, and the next day I said, well, either I can keep working on that yeah, uh, or I can scrap it all and write a completely different set um, right. and get like, go really deep into something. Mm. So then my second set that I wrote because I'd bombed so hard, it was kind of this, uh, like it's your first, you know, you still get into comedy. So yeah. it's not complex or exciting, but it was just the idea of imagining a war between fat people and thin people and what <laughs> what tactics they use. But it meant that I drew on kind of some more personal things instead of just telling a story of getting drunk. Right. Um, and that 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 set, kind of, I did that a few times and then ended up getting into the final of Liverpool New Comedian, right? Yeah. which I'd, I would not have done if I'd done okay on that first gig yeah. and just carried on telling, you know, it was it was what I'd consider pint a pint in the hand set. <laughs> you know, you come up on stage with the pint and you go, ah, oh, yeah, I was getting drunk. I'm the best. Yeah, I threw up on a girl. You know, and <laughs> it, instead it, it was I, I kind of was like, hang on, there's a bit of self loathing here. Maybe we can throw that out instead. Yeah. Um. So at the end of the course, uh, after you've done like the showcase, there, did you get feedback? Did they unpack it? Uh, no, no. Yeah. It, like we went for a pint afterwards, right. and it was great because I got to talk to a lot of the hot water people. Right. Um, and it was it was setting up them relationships that if I'd stayed in Liverpool, I probably would have um, you know, strengthened. But yeah. Uh, only a couple of months later, a friend of mine called me, uh, crying, and she said, "I'm I'm getting a divorce and I'm moving to London. Do you want to come?" And I was like, "Yeah, okay, fuck it, all right." <laughs> um. <laughs> Are we right to swear on this, yeah, or do you yeah. have to bleep them Lock out? Stuff out? All right. <laughs> I know. I know from running one. Sometimes people talk, and you're like, "Well, that's." I'm gonna have to edit that out now. That's great. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I was. I was maybe five gigs in in yeah. Liverpool, and then um, we moved down to London, and I uh, had to kind of. So I'd say I, I started on the open mic circuit in London. I didn't really get to know anyone in the northwest. All right. Coming to London, performing London after having done all of those five gigs, was it like a, a culture shock comedically? Um, yeah, it was. It was odd because you know you you had to. I don't really speak colloquially that much anyway. You know, yeah. it, it, as a northern accent, it's not that hard for southerners to understand um, <laughs> what I say. And also, I think because because I was raised on movies a lot, yeah. more of my slang tends to be American than actual <laughs> yeah. Scouse. I'd say you know. Sometimes I'll say uh, the wrong thing for a boot or right. Yeah. You know, <laughs> friends will get annoyed at me. Um, but it was it was odd because the the first two gigs that I did, one was I think everybody who's gigged in London has done comedy virgins. Yeah. Uh, where you're playing to like sixty people. Um, it's like a really electric night, and that was yeah. the first gig that I did in London. Mm -hmm. It's it's also a competition which I won. Sure, fine. You know, if <laughs> if you if you bend my arm behind my back, fine, Mark. Yes, I did win it. The first gig I did in London. Sure. Um, well, I went from that to then an open mic, uh, like four days later. Yeah. Where there was five comics and then one actual audience member above a pub, and the comics in the room had said, like, no, this is. This is more what it's like yeah. than the, the gig you went to. I was like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. What do you think? Well, I've been to so many of those gigs where I've been the only audience member. Sometimes the comics have outnumbered me seven or eight to one. You know, <laughs> how do you feel when you go into that room? But is it disheartening? And do you call it off, or do you just perform for each other, or how does it go for you? So I, 
I remember the first one of those that properly after I'd gotten to know most comedians. Yeah. There was a there was a gig at South Kent. So I already had my routine and my my routine was very kind of train track. It was, right. you know, these are the points that I've got to hit. Yeah. Uh and it was at South Kensington. There was like eight comics and no audience. Yeah. Um and I was like, oh I guess we're calling this off. <laughs> and and someone said, No, 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 we'll just do a workshop. And I was terrified because I was like, but everyone in this room has seen my material, you know, two or three times. Yeah. And they're like, well, just just have a mess about. And then mm. it, it was actually really liberating. Like for five minutes, I just said stuff off the top of my top of my head. And some of it didn't land. Yeah. Some of it did. And the stuff that did, you were like, oh, I, I can take that. Uh, so I, <laughs> as long as you're not tricked into it, I'm I'm really happy to do them. Like those old school workshops. Yeah. Where, yeah. It, unless someone said to you, you know, oh, there's going to be 50 audience there, and you, you'll be gone. <laughs> you know, you could open. Yeah. When it's when it's like a workshop, you can't open and then be like, all right, well, I'm going now. So yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs> but luckily, I haven't had to do that for a few years. <laughs> right. <laughs> you mentioned about competitions. So, how do you feel entering into a competition and being up like against your peers? I am terrible in competitions. <laughs> <laughs> I'm awful. <laughs> I think because <laughs> because my persona is one of uh, it's weird because it's it's low status but angry at being low status. Kind of, you know, I don't need to explain high status, low status to your audience, do I? They they I, know. I would hope they know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> so mine very early on, it was self deprecating, and then mm. I found I was getting like a lot of R's thrown in with the laughs, and I was right. Like, well, how do we how do we counteract that to a yeah. I made it that it was self-deprecating, but then I was angry at the audience for laughing at the self-deprecating stuff, which was it was just a mild switch, but it meant I had a little bit more yeah. power in the room because I was now angry at that audience about my own situation. Right. Um. So with competitions, it's weird because I, I like to come out very... You've seen me come up like, most of the time when I come out, I'm screaming, yeah. I'm saying yes, I'm shouting <laughs> at people. Yeah. And when it's a competition, it just means that there's more of a facade there because really they know that I, I need their approval. Right. And I, I've come to that venue for their approval. Um, yeah. So it just kind of, it means that all this bravura that I've got, it doesn't matter because I've, I've actually said, Oh, please love me. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so, so I was doing one competition where in a, in the museum of comedy mm-hmm. where i so I, I normally i do quite well with hecklers because i'm so loud when i come out yeah most people who are gonna heckle are like oh he's he's quite shouty so I, yeah. i'm not sure i want this and i did my usual so before i even get to the microphone i'm screaming yes <laughs> yes yes just to try and get people excited yeah, yeah. And i got to this to the microphone on this competition and there's a girl on the front row just went oh no <laughs> and, <laughs> It just knocked me sideways. The, the, the whole, the whole set. I could only put about seventy percent of effort in because it was just in my head that this girl had absolutely deflated me. Jeez. I hope I find her one day and be like, "Look, I, I'm, I'm doing okay, not great, <laughs> but I'm doing okay. I'm doing enough to have to check should I be paying tax." So you've talked about um, like telling personal stories. How much of the the person on stage are we seeing is the real Jamie? How much of a character are you on on stage as opposed to off? I'd say probably eighty percent. Right. I reckon it's 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 very close. You know, there's not a lot of opinions that I'd spout on stage that I don't actually have. Yeah. Um. I think you. Not all comedy has to be true. You know, if you if you just take. I prefer it. And also, you know, especially when I first started out, I panicked about remembering my set. Right. And I was like, well, if it's true, mm. then I don't have to worry about remembering it. Yeah. You know, kind of like if anyone cheating on the spouse, you have to remember, get some truth in there, and then you can keep <laughs> holding to whatever small lies you've got. Um, so I'd say, I'd say the only things that I'm missing mm. from me on stage, the way I'm kind of, I'm a, bit more of a, a dickhead off stage i'd say <laughs> kind of i'm like i'm i'm meaner to my friends you know i say darker jokes 
yeah. but on stage, I, I I like the persona that I've got on stage, especially when I'm emceeing of. Yeah. Uh, and also, I know I know exactly where my friends' lines are, and I don't. Me personally, I I don't like pushing the line of an audience and saying. Hmm. Oh well, we'll see how far we can push this. Like you know, I'll, I'll still say some cheeky stuff. Yeah, but it'll be done with a, a bit of a wink. And I, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I don't like being mean on stage. Um, right. So I think that's probably the only part of me that I keep back. Yeah. Um, from from that persona. But apart from that, yeah, most of it is me on there. Right. Do you see it as like going into an act in the sense of that you're playing a, a role. Yeah. I, th- yeah. Th- you do change. Um, yeah. And it's weird. Cause like I'll, I'll feel weird. If when I'm emceeing, I, as soon as I get off the stage, I'll, I've got a little notepad. Right. And I write, I write down all the names of the people that I've learned. Yeah. What I've learned about them, you know, if they're in a relationship or if they've said something. Right. right. Just so that, you know, when I'm back on stage, I can, I can reference that again. Yeah. And if if an audience member sees that notepad, then <laughs> I do kind of <clears throat> I do feel a bit bad because it's kind of showing them behind the curtain. Yeah. Um, because they want to think that you're you're friends with them and that you've just remembered all that. Yeah. Um, so there is there is an element of like I can tell the difference in my voice when we I get off stage and if someone comes up and says that was great or that was awful, give me my money back. I know that. <laughs> uh, I'm. I guess because when I'm talking to someone on stage, I'm not actually talking to them. I'm talking to the room. Yeah. I just, I want the whole room to overhear this conversation that we're having. Right. Um. So I guess that's the big difference yeah. in, in kind of who I am. And also, yeah, I guess if, if it's in terms of me doing a set. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a big, I think I, I push the kind of, not just self-loathing, but the kind of, Oh, my life is in in tatters. People like to know that your life is in tatters. <laughs> and then you get off stage and you go, oh, actually, things are things are pretty good. So I'm I'm all right. Yeah. So there is an element of a character there, but I think that that character is still eighty percent me. Right. We want to po- start putting on wigs and stuff. We'll see. I'll I'll have a mess about. <laughs> um. So when you turn professional, then, and you're entered into the comedy industry, did you have any specific expectations of what that would mean? Did you were you surprised by anything? I think professional is a strong word to describe. <laughs> oh, it's a broad term. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you know the the big shocker, hmm. uh, which I didn't see coming, was that I don't I don't hang around with my friends from the circuit anymore because you go right. you go from doing gigs where there's you know eight to twelve acts on a night. Yeah. When you first start out. Yeah. And you just hang around with the same people and you kind of take it for granted. Yeah. The, you know, oh, and then I'll have a pint with these people or we'll, you know, we'll catch up, we'll share gigs. And then once you move on to pro lineups where mm. there's, it tends to be three comedians and one MC. Right. Most of the time it's, and also as you're moving up the ranks, mm. you're, you're the bottom kind of the, the little fish in that group. Right. So you don't know, you don't know them more professional acts and they tend to know each other as you're coming up. Yeah. Um, so that was the big shock. I was like, oh, these are these are people I don't know. And it's not a case of, but now I know them and I'll see them next week. It's a case of mm. we, we won't see each other for a while yet. Yeah. Because there's just less less people on them bills. Mm. So that was the big shocker. How often realistically do you the paths cross when you're moving around geeking around the country? Um I guess if it's outside of London, then you're probably meeting at least 50% of that lineup is new. Right. Um, and you might hate the other person, <laughs> you know, but then it, inside of London, it's that, you know, I think I know pretty much every act. Right. That's within the M25. Mm. Luckily though, I know that there is a, a country outside of the M25. Yeah. That's why you're going to Liverpool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Three pound Guinness. I go away. Oh, there you go. So last year you went to Edinburgh Fringe with Hubert Mayer and you did a split bill. What was that? What was that experience like doing that show? Oh god, I had to carry him so much. <laughs> uh, no, that was good. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you remember. I broke my wrist yes. four days before yeah. the Edinburgh Fringe, so it wasn't the best. It, like I wanted this to be like a big blowout because I knew that I'd be debuting the following year. So this year, mm. 
Yeah. Where there's a lot more work that goes into it. You're a lot more stressed. Mm. You can't be having those silly nights where you get in at 6 a.m. So <laughs> we were building up to it going, well, we've not, we're doing the free fringe. We've not invested that much money in it. Or somehow our accommodation mm. costs were really low as well. So we we're like, we'll just have fun with this one. Mm. So the pressure was off. And then four days before, yeah, broke my wrist. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, was, I was on like loads of painkillers. Yeah, I was at times I'd be drinking just to stop like the pain in my wrist. Like the gigs were fun. Yeah, and uh, it's nice to because a lot of people do a split bill kind of earlier on than where we were, but mm. just coming out of the pandemic as well. Yeah, um, you know, it was it was harder to find places to do your solo shows. Mm. Um, so we were like, well, let's just have a mess about and do a split bill. Yeah, uh, so, so that was. That was great because it we you learn a lot of stuff, but it's not that kind of I've I've done longer sets in Edinburgh before, so yeah. it wasn't a case of like this is vital for my growth. Right. Which meant it, it could be a bit more fun. Yeah. So what about your your debut this year? What's that about? What are you expecting from it? Uh I mean, I think there'll be a few complaints, probably. <laughs> um no, I'm excited about it this year because it's yeah, uh, it's all about films. It's the show's called Jamie Allen goes to the movies, mm-hmm. and I think I I don't normally talk a lot about films on stage. Um, mm-hmm. so a lot of people don't know that my my university degree I studied film. Yeah, and you know, growing up in in Bootle in Liverpool, mm-hmm. which is like there's a lot of gangs there, and I, I was more of a shooting kid who was just watching films all yeah. the time. You know, our, our local <laughs> video store, the guy knew me, so we had, it wasn't a case of, oh, this is an 18, so I'll have to wait for your mum. He just let me rent anything. Yeah. Um, I think he's dead now, so that's fine for me to say. Um, <laughs> so it's it's been nice to kind of, I've been learning all these experiences, learning like all these uh, comedy skills over the last eight years, and then right. anything before that there's been like my my love of film and it's been yeah. it's been nice to combine the two um yeah. so i think people who've seen my comedy before where it's more it's more shouty and more more negative about my life mm. than um the the change in the show is that this is a celebration of movies and um yeah. kind of how movies have impacted me so in a way it's it's a lot more personal as well because you can kind of see how films have rubbed off on me whereas the right. all the other stuff i've done i've gone oh, well what what am i willing to show people i'll just show them a little bit of me yeah whereas this is more yeah i'd say this is more personal right but there's jokes there is jokes jesus there is jokes. <laughs> it's funny it's not an hour-long diatribe about the battleship potemkin or something like that. <laughs> no no that's just the first 15 minutes okay that's all right <laughs> and then it's all too fast too furious after that yeah yeah <laughs> But there is, I mean, I, I do riff on kind of those pretentious movie fans yeah. who were, you know, absolute arseholes. Like a part of the show where I talk about how um, the first time I ever watched John Wick, it was on a black copy. Mm. Me and my friend, we watched it and uh, it was really dark. And I, I said to them, this is really bold of them to shoot <laughs> this entire fight scene in, in black silhouette. Like this is German expressionism that they're doing in this big <laughs> Hollywood film. And then we realized that the, the setting... The brightness was just down on the TV and we turned it up and it was the, a normal fight scene. And so for the rest of the film, my friend was just going, is is this German expressionism? Is is that? <laughs> so it's like there is a, a lot of piss taking of those pretentious like film fans who are, yeah. who are like, I really found the mise-en-scene moving to me. Like it was, it was Transformers. Shut up. <laughs> But you also talk about movies in your podcast, Best Movie Two. I haven't seen Best Movie One, but um, so what's the premise behind that? And what made you decide to do it? So this came from so in my friend groups, I'm known as the film guy. So I'll get messages from people who say, um, you know, I'm having a day off sick. What's the best movie for me to watch? Or you know, this has happened. What should I watch? Right. And I, I find it really enjoyable to go through all the different apps. Yeah. And then make lists for people, and I'll go. This is on iPlayer. This is on Netflix. This is on Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you should watch this because you like this. And then I thought. So for the the idea for the podcast is we take a different idea each week. Now it it doesn't always have to be, but mm-hmm. it it tends to be like a, a mood or a situation that you're yeah. in. So 
you know, we've got what is the best movie, and it, the as long as the episode answers a question, what is the best movie to? Yeah. Um. So it'd be what is the best movie to watch if you're hungover? What is the best movie to watch if you've just gone through a breakup? Mm. But even to the point, we've got some uh, series planned. So, what is the best movie to watch in the Star Wars franchise? Right. Um. Things like that. So it's just people can easily flick through the episode list and go, oh, that's that's the mood I'm in mm. right now. So I'll listen to that and we we just and we'll normally get it. It doesn't have to be another comedian on, but mm. I think just because I'm used to bouncing off comedians, it's 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 good. We get a different guest each week um, and we just fanny about for an hour. Uh, but we <laughs> we answer that question at, at the end of it yeah. and we throw up like a bunch of ideas for people so they can then go, oh, well, that's that's what I'm in the mood for now. Yeah. So tell me about your best and worst gig that you've had so far. Oh, I mean, you. I don't know if other comics do this, but I kind of have a a, a ranking of your five best, and then <laughs> some will drop out, and you know, stuff comes in. Yeah, I think the uh, the one that told me like I'd I'd made it, mm. um, that felt like I'd made it was my first corporate gig right. that I did, where they, I think someone had given them this uh, agency my name by mistake, or <laughs> like. <laughs> Because they, when they quote, they quoted me the pay, and I had to do that kind of thing of, yeah, no, yeah, that's that's about how much I should be me. That's me, not you. Don't want me to pass this on as a message to someone. That is how much. And I was up in Manchester, so they'd offered to pay for my trains to Manchester, a hotel in Manchester, and it was for Jameson's, yeah, the whiskey company, which and Jameson's is probably my favorite. Uh, spirit as well mm-hmm. and it was i was on with k curd uh, he was really really nice i was opening for him yeah um and it was just a corporate so there was only about 40 people in there really chilled really laid back mm-hmm. um and i was panicking beforehand because i was there's the you know the the thing of the higher the gig the more you think oh i shouldn't be here and you, <laughs> you only get to you only get to repeat them gigs once you've done them to say oh no i actually smashed that so that's fine yeah um and luckily the there was a guy in the front row who was called Toby. And as you know, <laughs> I have probably two hours worth of material on Toby Carvery. <laughs> and so I just started whipping out all my Toby Carvery material. but trying to make it seem like I was just coming up with it off the top of my head. Yeah. And, you know, they were all clapping along going, wow, that's astounding that you just thought that up. And I was like, yes, that is <laughs> something I've just thought up. Yeah. And not, not material I'd put together to try and get Toby Carvery to follow me on Twitter. <laughs> um, so that, that's up there. Um, there was one we we run gigs sometimes up in Liverpool, uh, in a place called the Denby Castle. It's just it's a great little pub in town, and they've got a nice little sixty seater downstairs. Right. And the first one that we did of that was great. Cause I had all my family and friends in, yeah, actual real audience as well. And I was emceeing it, and it was one of them where every single audience interaction was just gold. Like they were giving me something fantastic there was a couple in the front row yeah. uh one was a lorry driver and the other and his wife kind of she would not stop talking even when i was trying to talk to other people in a really nice <laughs> way so that i could just carry on taking the piss out of her and every single person in there had something interesting about them right. had something you could riff on and it was nice to kind of do that in front of my parents to show mm. this is you know the whole reason for me dropping out from the bank and getting into this, you, you're seeing the tools yeah. on display now, which was nice. Mm. Um, and then kind of as a, as my own personal, like the, in terms of the, a, a gig that I came off the out of, because I'd played to so many, I hit my, my audience capacity mm. at <laughs> over 400 last month in uh, Walthamstow. And mm-hmm. that was great to go, all right, I can play to a big yeah. audience as well. Cause my style tends to be getting into the front row, talking to people. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm more comfortable with a lower stage where I'm actually in the audience. <laughs> so that was nice to challenge myself with a, with an audience where you're not directly talking to one person. You have to make sure that because if you start talking to Frank up in the front row, yeah, you know, all the way back of the room, someone's gonna be like, Well, I, I don't know what this guy looks like. I don't <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> so that that was kind of that's it. Those three are definitely in my top five. Yeah, I'd have to I'd have to have a, a sit down on the toilet to think about you kind know, of what the other two were going. And what about the other end of the spectrum? 
<laughs> the worst. <laughs> the one, uh, I've like I've had a couple of really dodgy ones. There was one where I was chased out the back of a pub, uh, with Josh Bolt. Yeah. Um, it was it was new. I think it was like New Year's Eve, but not New. Year's, it was no Boxing Day. It was Boxing Day, right. up in Epping, and uh, we've been hired to do this pub gig. And I was like, great, nice pub gig in Epping. Yeah. You know, and I'm I'm fine with a pub gig where it's. You know, a group of darts players in the 40s and 50s, you know, I, I can play to that. <laughs> what we found out when we got to the venue is that it was the local for this village. Right. But they were charging on the door. So people were paying a ticket admission just to go into their local, not really oh, wow. wanting yeah. to watch comedy. Yeah. So they already hated us by the time <laughs> we got there. Yeah. We didn't know this. So we were wondering, why is everyone so angry? So we started giving it back <laughs> to the audience. And by the time I got on stage, I was like saying to some fellas on, on the at the bar, I was like, I'm going to come back and do this gig next year because from the looks of it, you'll be dead by then. <laughs> and we we all got into it with them. And and then the fellow uh, who was running it came in and went, so you, you can't go out the front. We're going to have to go out the back and um, <laughs> just run to the car wow. pretty much. He's not there, and he was like, "I'm the promoter, so they've not seen me. I'm gonna go start the car." And we were like, "He, he says, he's like, yeah, we're gonna, I'm gonna start the car, and I'm gonna put the the front seat forward. So one of you needs to jump in the back. Let's get that seat back as soon as possible." <laughs> so that that was that was one of the worst. The Blues Brothers escape. Yeah, <laughs> but we, do you know when that happens? And then you're like, "Oh, no one actually threw a punch, so it's not." It's an okay story, but it's not a great story. Like I wasn't put in hospital. Um, <laughs> I did a gig in a in a boxing ring once, which was one of the worst that I've done. But that was a weird one, that because I knew I knew going into it that it was going to be bad, so I kind of could just enjoy it. Right. There was no expectations. Right. So it was <laughs> it was in Northampton, and this really lovely fella, like he was nice. He, he run he runs a, a blue collar boxing event. Hmm. Um. And it was in it was in the uh, the travel lodge in Northampton, and <laughs> they've got the function room, and it's he he messaged me out the blue and he's like, do you want to if you come and do this gig, I'll promote your socials. Like he paid me as well, but he was like, I'll promote your socials, right? And I was like, yeah, yeah, all right, mate. We've heard this before, mm. but then he tagged me in something, and I picked up like eight hundred followers off the back of this, oh. like one tagging, and it was all these sports people who were just like really supportive, like. Oh, everyone within his community and i was right. like yeah yeah oh fair enough i'll, I'll go do it <laughs> even though he, the, the, what he'd lined up is in between each boxing match he had first he had a, a singer mm -hmm. then he had a, a rapper and then he had me a comedian so there was no comedians on right and about 60 percent of the people watching the fights knew that in between the fights that's when you go up and get a drink yeah. so when you get introduced to the stage <laughs> or the ring you're faced with more than half the people in the room getting up and going as they're saying your name. <laughs> On top of that, the microphone, because it wasn't a proper PA system, yeah. the microphone was one of them where if you slightly move it, it cuts out. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everything, you like two minutes in, and I, I was supposed to do 15, I think I did about eight. Two minutes in, um, I... <laughs> I gave up on the microphone. I just was shouting at people. And <laughs> like I'd already my friend who lives in Northampton had picked me up from the station and I'd got him in. Yeah. And I'd said to him, Look, this is gonna be atrocious, but you're you're gonna enjoy it because <laughs> it, from the outside it will be me dying on stage. <laughs> but I know exactly why I'm dying. So yeah, yeah. so I don't I won't feel bad about it. And he was like, That's that's weird. Like it could go well. I was like, There's no way that this is gonna go well. And <laughs> At one point, I was being heckled from all four sides of the ring, <laughs> which I was like, "This is this is pretty funny." The, I've never been heckled in the round before, um, and luckily, I brought it back with some guy. I could hear some lad behind me. He was only about fifteen, and he he turned to his mate and said, "You should call him Family Guy." And I heard it, and so I, I turned around and I ripped into him, and I was like. Why are you telling him to call me family guy? Why don't you fucking say it to my face? <laughs> and he went bright red and I was like, Do you get him to kiss your missus as well? What are you doing? And like <laughs> I just absolutely destroyed this lad to the point that everyone was like, Oh, okay, he's uh, yeah. he's actually done well there. Yeah. <laughs> um the absolutely worst one. I know like that wasn't it. <laughs> the, that was just preamble <laughs> to the, the one <laughs> the one that will stay with me for life is uh I did a um 
a golf a golf team's kind of awards evening hmm. um where the guy called me up he was absolutely out in the sticks and uh, this guy called me up and said uh, i've seen your videos on youtube i think you'd be good yeah. as our as our kind of comedian at the end of the night mm-hmm. and i was like oh it's, you know it's golf that's i don't mm-hmm. know if that's not really my my stick and he was like no 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 it's you know a great group of lads it's not what you think and it's it'll be fun yeah uh so i agreed to it and then he said and uh, it's black tie so have you got a tuxedo i was like oh god this <laughs> this isn't gonna go great and it, it said just do 20 minutes at the end um got there and i like to if a, i like to go off into a dark room and just write out my set plan everything got there mm-hmm. and they were like come upstairs to the vip section we're gonna let you talk to all the old captains uh, and I was like, okay, that's that's already this has started going wrong. And then he went, <laughs> oh, and we'll get uh, we'll get your fee sorted now. And I was like, oh, and I was tr- I was trying to say I do find it bad luck to get my fee up hand. I, I always prefer mm. to get my fee afterwards. Right. And as I'm trying to say that, someone hands an envelope to me, and I was like, oh, okay, so that's you might as well just put a black cat across me now. Um, <laughs> and then I got introduced, and I thought, well, I'll just come out you know, when it's my time. And they were like, so you're going to sit on the top table with us, all the old captains, while we have a free course meal. So everyone in the room has to stand up while they introduce me as the after-dinner speaker, not the comedian, Yeah. the after-dinner speaker. So they were all sat there going, <laughs> well, is he like an ex-pro? We don't yeah. recognize him. What's he? Because normally you think after-dinner speaker, you think of like John Fashion, who off somewhere telling stories, you know. Yeah. And... <laughs> So I sat there and I was trying to get drunk because I was like, I, I need to. But the guy who was paying me was right next to me. So I was subtly trying to get as many drinks because I was like, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> it's all circular. There's about eight circular tables, mm. bright lighting. Um, they do their speeches. Now, naturally, of course, everybody, every comedian has got the tale of when this has happened, yeah. when they've said, let's just take a minute to remember the people who died <laughs> over the last year. So everyone's sad and they're like, you know, not forgetting Frank's dad and Frank's in the corner Jeez. sobbing. And then they go, and now it's time for your entertainment. <laughs> and now comedy. And they, give me, <laughs> they give me a microphone and I'm literally just stood in the middle of this room. Like there's no stage. There's no everybody yeah. turn your chairs. Yeah. So at any point, at least 30% of the people have their back to me because it's all circular tables. Yeah. Um, there were two lads in there who were younger than 40, I'd say, mm. and they were the sons of the guy who was paying me. Uh, it was again supposed to do 20, yeah. Um, came off after I think 12, um, because <laughs> I noticed the guy who'd paid me wasn't looking at his watch, and I was like, This, I have to do, I'm doing him a favor by coming up because it was. <laughs> Anything I was trying to sell, they were not buying. And then my enduring memory is just that this guy in his 80s with his head between oh, his hands, just shaking his head. <laughs> While I was I was literally behind him. I was like a foot behind him. And I put my hands on his shoulder and I had to go, It's I'm going soon, don't worry. This is over <laughs> soon. And that, because that, that was one where, when I said thank you, the claps were... You know the the go- the golf claps of mm. what they clap on the course, and the, I'd even as I was like absolutely bombing and just just burning, I was like, right, I'm gonna throw at least one cat joke in just to get the two lads. <laughs> and the two lads came up to me and they're like, that was genuinely hilarious. But it's just you know, and I was like, I just said all the stuff that I have said on my YouTube videos, and that the the captain. Yeah. messaged me and said this is exactly the kind of thing we want <laughs> yeah. uh, and the worst part of it was my lift back from that venue mm. uh it was 40 minutes after that so i had to then sit in the bar with all those people for 40 minutes wow. and not one of them came up to say that that was great <laughs> obviously all they were thinking is we could have paid someone who would have made us laugh to do that <laughs> and and they you have ruined our night <laughs> although at that point i was like i'm glad i got the money beforehand because i yeah. I would have felt awful to go up to someone <laughs> yeah. afterwards and be like by the way can i have that that money for yeah. whatever that was yeah corporates are interesting i think everybody sort of says how terrible they are but obviously they're well paid but it's different when a bunch of people are brought into a room and it, and have comedy forced upon them particularly when comedy is so subjective rather than them going out to a comedy night <laughs> Yeah, I've I've done really lovely corporates in the past. Like I yeah. did a water charity down by um 
down by embankment once. That was mm. it was great. And you you could tell that they'd been forced to stay after work to do this yeah. to come to this comedy as part of their mental it was like mental health week and they were like, right, everyone has to stay at five <laughs> o'clock. But we just approached the the I was the MC and I just kind of said, Who's the boss here? Who's the one who's making you all do this? And they all pointed <laughs> at someone and it just it burst the that tension balloon of we have to be here. So everyone lightened up. Right. And then I was like, right, who's that? And I just start, I identified like the certain people in the office. I was like, who's the one who's always drunk? And they started to have fun. Like mm. most corporates are done. Yeah. They're fine or even can be great. Yeah. But just them ones catch you off guard where you know it's someone who's hiring you who doesn't, someone needs to take them to one side in the office and go, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Like I've had someone suggest to me a rock night where, between the bands, you have a stand-up comedian come up for ten minutes. Uh, like so, everybody mm. is stood up, all excited, all drinking, talking yeah. to each other, loud music, and then someone's gonna get on stage and talk about the Tesco club card points. <laughs> it's because yeah. people think that you can just put comedy into any situation, yeah, and go, well, we'll just have a stand-up there, you know. Before we do the eulogy, we'll get stand-up. <laughs> You mentioned about lockdown very briefly. What was your lockdown experience when there was no live comedy available? Oh, it was a dream. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I think I was, because I before lockdown, I was gigging probably five or six nights a week. Right. Um, And really just addicted to it. And so I think I needed that breather. It was actually, right when it came, it was actually quite nice because hmm. You know, there there is that that awful side of you that you're always looking at somebody else's ladder and going, oh well, how far are they going? And because everybody just had to come to a slide and stop, yeah, there was no pressure on you to to kind of keep progressing. Yeah. And I um, I cycle in in my spare time, mm-hmm. and it was great just to have these days where I'd finish work. And we had that first year, 2020, the summer was really nice. Yeah, like even up, even in March, we could go out and do stuff. Yep. So I was just cycling after work. <laughs> I mean, you you do go a bit crazy because you know we, me and my housemate, we 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 joined an Angry Bird clan, <laughs> like because we we were so used to you know getting up, going into work, leaving work, going to a venue, having a few pints, doing comedy, mm. and that now became that time you have before going to work. That's all back. Yeah, you know the the seven to nine, you've got that back. Yeah. The time after work that you take to get to a venue, so five to eight, you've got all that. Yeah. And then the the rest of that night, eight till <laughs> eleven, that's also yours as well. Yeah. So you're looking at like what seven extra hours a day of just oh I'm stuck with me. <laughs> um but then it also meant those gigs when you came back. Yeah. Like I the first gig that I came back to was amazing. You know, the the atmosphere was electric. Mm. All the comedians, even the shit ones, were great <laughs> because the vibe was just, yeah. Oh God, we've we've missed this, and we 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 didn't appreciate it for what it was. Yeah. Um. And that there was like a solid three month period where all gigs after that first lockdown, yeah, just felt great. What about did you do like uh, online stuff as well? Um. No, I mean, you know, now that I do have a podcast that I started mm-hmm. a few months back, yeah, I probably should have started it in all that free time. <laughs> Um, but it was back when kind of you there was a bit of snootiness towards podcasts, and even I, I was pushing against starting one because I was like, oh, everyone's got one, and then, mm. um, but so I didn't do that. We we didn't create any online content, even though we were free comedians together. Mm. It was there was a point where we were going to host a um, it was going to be an online gig for uh, the South Kensington Comedy Club, right. and the idea was that it. it we'd MC it from our house and then you'd cut to different comedians houses. Yeah. Um, and the, the, the BBC got in touch with the runner of that and said, Oh, we'd, we'd like to do a story on this tomorrow. And we were like, Oh, we're going to be on the BBC, <laughs> but then it didn't really work. Right. And I, I think we messed up the connections with the other comics. So it just ended up us talking to each other in front of a camera. And then we got the message from the BBC that was like, we're going to go with, uh, with a different angle, actually. Thanks. The the best bit of content that we did, I guess, people were starting to go a bit crazy. Um, and like a lot of people were feeling a bit lonely. So yeah. we did an online Centurion 
So do you know what a centurion is? No. It's a, uh, it's something that I used to do in university when I had a, a body that could recover far better. <laughs> and it's a hundred shots of cider or beer right. over the course of a hundred minutes, which sound you know, a shot of beer sounds like nothing. Um, but once you get to like shot 30, you're starting to feel it. And you also, you have to be at the table to do each shot. So if you need a piss, you, you got to be back in 59 seconds right. or you have to do like a shot of tequila. <laughs> and so it was the three of us, it was me, Hubert Meyer and Richard Spaulding. Yeah. Uh, just, on instagram live and we were getting people who were like going crazy because they'd either had to be forced to stay with their parents or they were staying alone mm. in a flat yeah. they were playing along and we'd you know we'd we'd ch- we'd go to someone now and again and be like how are you getting on or what are you you know yeah. how are you feeling and people were getting <laughs> drunk and yeah. they, you know some people even messages going oh god i've thrown up but <laughs> i got messages uh Kind of after lockdown from people who said that actually really really helped just mm. as something where we were connected and there was people yeah. it was like going to the pub and getting drunk with people in that the people who didn't know each other who were like messaging each other mm. through the instagram be like oh god have you you managed to do all this oh i see that you're drinking this that was a bad idea <laughs> um because some people got like you know the six percent polish beer yeah, right <laughs> <laughs> like that's you, you know you were doing about eight pints of this so um, but maybe not do the K cider. No, no. <laughs> well, if you're gonna do a torpedo it and make a make a big song and dance about it. Yeah. <laughs> that was that that was the one that I was like kind of happiest to it in terms of mm. content. Right. You know, because it actually it was an it felt nice to kind of bring people who were who'd been lonely. And I think if you just yeah. put when when people were putting on gigs over lockdown, it was nice, but it wasn't really that inclusive because you you never had that back and forth whereas with that it was a it was an actual activity that we were getting people to do as well that wasn't a quiz that wasn't that was a fucking <laughs> online quiz <laughs> yeah. um what are the important lessons that you've learned what um philosophies do you take from show to show oh god uh always get paid afterwards i yeah. guess um my, my main one is um to always keep an eye on the wrong that you're on you know it, that's it is a ladder you you're gonna progress yeah but i I never like to think of a gig as beneath me um mm. and so always going to any gig even if you go to a gig like that that um boxing ring i knew it was going to be terrible but i didn't mm. i wanted it to go well and i i went in there you know i didn't give up on it uh and it's it's weird like it's it's like the reason why you're getting into this is to do this you know it's yeah it's not that you know if you if you're an intern but it's because you want to be a marketing executive. The stuff you're doing, you don't enjoy, but you can see a, a forward goal. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's great because the thing you wanted to do was stand on a stage and say jokes. Yeah. You're doing it. You've achieved that goal at day one. Yeah. And so to to never treat it as, oh, well, I have to get to the next level. It's like, well, there's there's always going to be another level. Until, mm. until you're selling out arenas, mm. you'll always be thinking in terms of, I have to get to that next level. So instead of that, it's not about being content. Once you're off that stage, yeah, what's the next big stage? What's the next thing? Who can I message? Mm-hmm. You know, what can I clip from this so that I, I get to put some online content? But yeah, if you actually, when you're at that gig, you know, I, I love it that it's the, the thing I dreamed about doing took a, a risk and it's actually worked. Yeah. You know, maybe I haven't got a, a Blu-ray out with my <laughs> stand-up. I haven't got a Prime special, but that's... <laughs> that's not what I'm going for. What I'm going for is the I'm on stage and I'm telling jokes and people are laughing sometimes <laughs> unless they're a golf club. So that's kind of my philosophy. It's yeah. just enjoy it. Yeah. How can we find out about you? How can we find out what gigs you're playing? Um, I'm trying to keep it to myself for now. But <laughs> So if people follow me on social media, I'm at Allerton Jamie on Instagram and at Jay Allerton on Twitter because I, yeah, I like to mix it up. Also, if I get cancelled on one account, people aren't going to instantly <laughs> find me on the other one. Uh, and as we've said, I'm moving back to Liverpool, but I'm down in London all the time mm-hmm. uh, anyway. So don't worry, I'm not leaving you, London. I'm still, I'll still be paying <laughs> £7 for a pint in places. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'd say just that. Oh, the, the podcast is called The Best Movie 2 with the number two. Mm-hmm. So if people want to go on Twitter or Apple or 
uh, Spotify and find us there. Leave a five-star review, even if you don't like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's about it. So finally then, Jamie, can you sum up comedy in a nutshell? Uh, regret. Just absolute regret. <laughs> um, now, for me, I mean, for me, comedy, it's not my words, but what's good is when you forget who said these things, you can just say that they're your own. But um, <laughs> somebody said comedy... Comedy is showing people the third side of a coin, which I like. It's it's the it's the thing that's always been there, but people just don't notice it. I, I like that as a yeah. I know I know that sounds wanky, but it's more <laughs> it's just, like comedy is telling people something they already know, mm. but they didn't know that they knew it like that. Yeah, I like that. And we can we can clip that. That's going to go viral. They're going to be like, wow, what a philosopher, what a sage. Yeah. I want to follow this guy's podcast, the best movie too. I want to go see his show. <laughs> Jamie Arnton goes to the movies. I want to send him money. You know, all that. Jamie, thanks so much. It's been fantastic. No, cheers, man. Thanks for having me on.